Blog Talk Radio. And a good evening, everybody, and welcome to King Jordan Radio. This is King Jordan you're listening to. And tonight on the show, uh, we have a very special guest. Uh, her name is Debbie Williams. And uh, Debbie, I will check you in. I'm just having a little issue with my computer. Just give me a second. As, uh, of course, let me remind you uh, that uh, tomorrow, Joey Jackson will be here, CNN attorney and legal analyst. And uh, we're going to talk to Debbie, who's calling us so kindly from the U.K., and let's bring her into the conversation. Ms. Debbie Williams, good evening. Uh, Debbie, you're on the phone with uh, King Jordan. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. So uh, let's talk about uh, you. Uh, let's start out with uh, um, a little bit of your bio, if you will. <laughs> And welcome okay. to uh, America, uh, callers, <laughs> listeners, if you will. Okay, uh, well, a little bit about me. I'm an NLP trainer and hypnotherapist, and I got into it, gosh, many, many years ago, in, in fact, the 1980s. I think I was searching. Oh. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to be happier, and I, I had so many horrible things happen previously that I always had hope. And so I think that hope right. leads you um, to keep on looking and also to make the decision that um, things can only get better. And I read tons and tons of self-help stuff, and I sort of fell into NLP. And Tony Robbins, uh, or Anthony Robbins, as he used to call himself back then, mm-hmm. came to Birmingham in the UK in 1993. And I did his right. UK w weekend and i absolutely loved it and um from that i helped him on all the uk ones for about 10 years uh till i got to the point where i i sort of felt like i knew tony stuff inside out um although i've probably forgotten some of it now and probably would still get something out of it if i went on another one because I, I absolutely love tony um then i went to uh dr richard Badner. i, I I did an NLP um, course with some other trainers, but then a friend of mine was bringing over Richard to the UK, and I did a year-long course with him. I did my hypnotherapy training. More so, not really to help other people. It was to sort me out, um, and I thought, well, I was a bit too mean to pay a hypnotherapist or an NLP person. I thought, I'll go on the course, and I can sort myself out, and... If ever they wanted a volunteer, my hand would sort of go up by itself because it's like, sort me, sort me, I'm so messed up. Um, I'll take all the, the therapy and stuff. And and then what started to happen was um, people kept sending me people. And I have a naturally OCD sort of nature. So years ago I had a clothes <laughs> shop. Like, and, yeah. yeah, if somebody had walked out of my clothes shop and hadn't bought anything, I used to think, well, what could I have shown them? What sort of body shape were they? What would have suited them? And I would have this OCD thought that would go round and round and round trying to fit them into certain categories so that next time if that sort of person came in, I'd have a more choice of what I could show them that I thought they'd look good in that ultimately would they'd go out happier, um, I'd have a sale. And so it was that win-win thing. And so I sort of do that when I'm with clients, and I think that sort of helped me 
grow as a person because um, people think OCD is a bad thing but it depends what you focus on if you're focusing on the corners of the tablecloth being perfectly aligned to the table or checking the cooker you know 300 times then that's the wrong outcome um, but in the UK there's I don't know whether you've got in America a program called Dragon's Den um, haven't heard of it the, in the UK what it is it's loads of sort of millionaires and people pitch to them and they're called the dragons because they, they breathe fire and, and you see them pulling apart people's pitches and stuff. Yet they're very sort of um, focused on giving good advice, but it's also geared up as well. In the UK, they, they like to knock people down a bit, which isn't particularly nice. But with the, the one dragon there, he's, he's on his way to be a billionaire because he's OCD about planning. He plans about 100 days in advance. And if that isn't OCD, wow. I don't, don't know what is, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And yet, say, somebody like Richard Branson, who you've, I think you've heard of Richard Branson over there with Virgin Airways and, and, and stuff, that he's less yes. of a planner like that. He would do stuff on, say, a beer mat, and his skill set, he, he knows a man who can, and he can inspire people to work as a team. So, you know, I love how the mind works, and I love how people think, and I love... With NLP, it looks that nothing is a bad thing. It depends which context it's in, if that makes sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I want you to talk about, uh, and I know you uh, uh, did a great video on it, jealous people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's your take on that and your advice? Um, it depends how, whether it's, you're on the receiving end of the jealous person or whether you are the jealous person. If, if you're on Let's the receiving... Let's say if you're, uh, you're, you're dealing with somebody that is uh, envious of you and hating on you and uh, does a lot of things to annoy you. Um, well, I've had a few of those in the past and sometimes it's been going on that... Um, I wasn't even aware of it, which was quite interesting because I discovered years later. And I thought, my goodness, they they were so obsessed with me that they weren't getting on with their own life. So really, the first thing you need to think about, it's an absolute compliment to you because really, it's it's like a poison to them. They've got all this vengeance towards you or energy towards you. Where's the space for them to live their life? And really sort of, one thing that I would advise as well is is see yourself surrounded by some sort of protective light so that if you've got somebody who is um, potentially sort of evil, that you, you see yourself protected. Um, I did this when I had my clothes shop. I bought a, an ex-partner out, uh, and she kind of turned quite quite nasty, and she did, well, she did some pretty horrible things. Um, and... What I did there, I surrounded myself with light. And as I started doing that, that sort of developed sort of over the few years that I had my clothes shop um, when there was a a thing that happened in a shop sort of next door to my shop. It was a big department store. And I was in that shop at um, about sort of 20 past 10. And I nipped through there and then went to my shop afterwards. And at about half past ten, this chap went through there and he, he slashed um, some of the women on the counters from neck to neck. He, he did some horrific things. Um, and I, I 
genuinely feel since I started doing like surrounding yourself with white light and being open to my creator to to being guided I've sort of missed so many things by minutes or hours and stuff um, mm-hmm. also when there was bombings going on in London the one bus that went off was right next door to a hotel that I would normally stay at and I, I go used to go to London twice a month and I was due to go that week and I delayed it for a week because the sales weren't as busy. So I thought, oh, I'll leave it a week before I go and get some more stock. So it's almost like um, when you're open to something bigger than us, it does seem to protect you. Um, and with, if you've got somebody who's jealous and vindictive to you, if you surround yourself with this sort of white light sort of psychic shield and imagine that that's there protecting you and that anything that comes from them, you can send it back into the light and you can send their intention back to them tenfold so that it's, it bounces back and that it's not your job to do anything. My dad always taught me that um, success is the greatest revenge and that is such a fabulous way to, to think because that's what I've done in the past with my clothes shop when people were being quite horrible my ex-business partner spread a rumor that I was prejudiced and stuff and you know I used to have black girls coming into my shop kissing their teeth but because I was so focused on the debt that we'd got ourselves into trying to buy her out it took me a year and and the whole business had gone sort of pretty dramatically downhill that I was so busy especially as I was listening to Tony Robbins like three months we can turn it round right we can do this 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 so focused on the positive stuff that I hadn't noticed all of this and the the thing is that truth will always come out because at that time the stuff that I had I had an Asian girl Raj who worked for me I had um, Erica was my little sort of um, trainee she was a black girl and then Patsy come to work for me who was another black girl and and because Patsy knew me as a as she was one of my customers she said to me, Deb, do you know all these black girls, they all think you're prejudiced? I said, what? She says, I know. She says, I told them, don't be so ridiculous. Look around, look at the staff. And it was my ex-business partner had stirred and she'd managed to fire people up and, and stuff. But I, was, I wasn't really aware of it. And by the time I was aware of it, it was like long gone past almost, you know. Um, and I'd kind of dealt with it because I'd been so focused on, right, we've got to clear the debt, we've got to do this, we've got to do this, 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 this. So... Whoever's being sort of um, jealous and vindictive towards you, if you surround yourself with light and send their intention back to them, you'll be so surprised what happens. Um, Another example of that, when I had my clothes shop, there was somebody opened up a shop four shops away, and they started selling some of the stuff that we sold. But they were selling it at a cost price, and it was almost like they were trying to say, we're ripping people off. Um, so I went to the wholesalers and I said, you know, that they're selling at this. How can they do that? And um, the chap that I bought off said, well, I don't know what's going on here. They, they're obviously trying to play games with you. They must be cash buyers because we, we've got no trace of them. If you take a photograph of them, we won't sell to them. And I thought, oh, I don't really want to go down that route. Uh, but I'm always looked for the, the, the grain or the seed of how you can grow from this. And from that point, uh, Barry would find me all these um, one-off samples and he would sell them to me cheaper. So I managed to get stuff 
that I'd buy in at a cheaper price, I could match his prices, but I'd still be making the markup. And what happened as well, I kept sending his intention back to him tenfold. Well, he lasted about a year, and he got um, somebody came in with a gun and held him up and stole all the money. Well, they could have come to my shop, but they didn't. And I truly believe it was me surrounding myself with this light and asking my creator, asking something that's bigger than me to to you know help me and to protect me and to help me to grow as a person and one of the persons that I, I know I've sort of learned from in the past is Oprah Winfrey and I think I've heard her say something along the lines of allowing God to be her channel or something and that's totally probably a wrong misquote but that's sort of the essence of what I took from that if that makes sense um, but because I'm Irish and I grew up sort of, I, I was only in Ireland for a, a year before we moved to the UK. I grew up with a, a little bit of a, what is this religion thing? Because, you know, the Catholics and the Protestants seem to fight each other and do horrible things. And I thought, if that's what religion's about, then I don't think I liked it. And I was forced to go to Sunday school and stuff and be God-fearing. And, and then I, I sort of kept questioning and questioning. And I thought, actually... If there is a God, I think I'd rather talk to him or be open to talk to him directly without all man's interpretations and rules and stuff. And I remember years ago reading different things and thinking, well, oh, the Bible was rewritten there and this was changed and that was changed and that was changed because um, they didn't want sort of um, to have the the priests marry because if they did then they'd lose the property and stuff so we make the priests that are celibate and when you start reading stuff it, it kind of gets you thinking that what's been told to us might not be in our best interest it's somebody else's interest that's telling us this to to control us and that that's the one thing that nlp i found it's like finding the owner's manual for your mind you know, we have this brain, sometimes it isn't user-friendly, yet if we can sort of harness the, the power of our mind, then we can use it as a force for good. I, I quite often say to clients, you know, that you've been born into the top 10% richest human beings on this planet. You have food, you have water, you have shelter, you have everything, and you have the ability to think. Whereas, you know, previous generations, they just had to work hard and hard and hard. They didn't have time to think. We have time to think. But sometimes our thoughts can be addictive in a way that they tend to veer towards the negative. And that can be an addiction because we link that if we have an emotion, if it feels powerful, it must be important. And we get stuck in it instead of thinking, well, this emotion feels powerful. What's it trying to teach me? What do I need to learn to make things better? If we got obsessive about that, we could pull ourselves out of all kind of holes and all kind of stuff, but we do get where well, we get pulled back into these negative thoughts that go down and down and down and can make us feel absolutely dreadful. I know I used to do that, but not anymore. Um, anyway, I'm going talking on and on and on. So. Mm-hmm. But, um, okay, uh, tell me about uh, the website and uh, uh, people, if they want to get your product, what can they do? Okay, uh, I, as I said, I'm a bit obsessive, so I've got quite a few websites called Debbie Williams. I've got debbiewilliams.co.uk, 
Debbie Williams Associates, debbiewilliams.tv, um, but the co.uk, I've got on that, um, there's a free download called Stop Worrying, Create a Wonderful Life. And what that does, it gives people the opportunity, it's a, it's a free trance that if you listen to it, there's like a machine in there that's a bit like a washing machine, but it's a worry buster machine. So you've got the ability of dumping in all your worries and negative thoughts into this worry buster machine. And a bit like a washing machine, it spins and gets rid of all the the dirt and the the crappiness and it it transforms, it dilutes them into new solutions. I love playing with language and, and weaving words. So once it's done that, not only it can be a worry buster machine, it also is a, a quantum learning machine. So if you want to process a, an idea, then if you throw that into the quantum learning machine, then if you work with it, then over time it starts to give you ideas. Because when I first did that recording, um, I know there's something on there that says, you know, 1% improvement a day. At the end of the year, it isn't 365% improvement because it compounds. And so when you start in the direction of looking for improvement, it was that CD that um, gave me the idea that at the time, years ago, um, a colleague would sell them for me, and I had four CDs, and every month I got £200 from that, and he got £200. And I thought, well, if I recorded a And what is that in uh, U.S. dollars? Oh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm <laughs> ignorant. <laughs> I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. My husband would. Um, we have a place in Turkey, and when, whenever we go there, um, I, I hand over any of the money things. I don't pay for anything. I give him money, but I don't pay for anything because I don't have to think. I just sort of relax on the beach and then I have wonderful ideas come to me and, and stuff so financially I, I'm, I'm not sure what that is but um, I thought well if I could do a hundred of these then that would be the equivalent 10 months of 50 pounds recording then in 10 months that would be um, 50 grand a year which is quite a lot of money and so that started me off and I, I think I've recorded about 35 um, downloads now um, but on top of that, I think I've got about 180 videos on my YouTube channel, which is Debbie Williams NLP. And I love putting stuff up there that will either support my clients, but I do it in a way that I think, oh, if I tweak this, I can make it a bit more general, and that would help other people. Um, and so there's tons and tons of free stuff there that, you know, I'm, I've done sort of over 57 to 10 day NLP courses. Then in between the courses, I'd come, I'd be working with clients, I'd be practicing new techniques. Then I know I've got another training course I'm going to assist on, so then it's like I'd be studying, getting the information in my head. And, and because I've been a trainer for Richard Bandler, we would do what we call stations, where they'd separate the group and I'd teach a station and they'd give you a subject. And the immediate thought would come to mind was, oh, sugar but i didn't think sugar it was something a little bit stronger than that and it's like you'd read the manual think oh god i've got to teach this let's get that in my head oh god yeah what how do i teach this and you'd go around and, and they'd be in groups of like 30 people and the trainers would go around to you know sometimes 20 groups teaching them and so by the time you got to the last group you'd really really perfected something very very good 
but the first one you did it was like learning and and they had so many other stations as well so it, it teaches you to think on your feet and um and sort of helps you master that hello <laughs> hello yes 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 <laughs> i thought i'd so lost tell you me about addictions Pardon? that you've overcame Sorry, Jordan, could you repeat that? I missed that. Yes, you help people with cocaine addiction. Can you explain that? Yeah, um, that's, that's an area. I, I love working with addictions. Um, and how I work with that is slightly different than, say, if somebody goes into rehab or they do the 12-step programs, which do work very, very well for, for many people. Um, what sometimes it doesn't work is say somebody's been into rehab and they come out right. um they're, they're clean are you there mm-hmm. i can hear a bit yes. of noise in they the background. Go rehab, right yeah and so they they come out and say if they bump into somebody and somebody says oh i've scored some really really good stuff do you want some well immediately what comes to their mind is a picture of perhaps the first time they had it and their brain is switched into oh i want some and so what I do differently is I help destroy that movie, but I replace it with something that's far better. So inviting their mind to find any other ways that um, gives them that sort of feeling or something even greater. And also playing in their mind over and over again of how it feels over time and taking the end result of how it feels over time when they've had sort of a, a real sort of come down the day after or they feel absolutely awful of taking that into the initial good feeling because a lot of times people say you know i don't know why i take it i'm not getting anything out out of it anymore and so if you can get that how it feels over time into their their picture that that is locked into there that, that the first few times they had it was fantastic if we can blow that picture up so that they they still have the desire i think oh i want some but no, I don't really want it. Um, and so that's sort of the key. And also, as I mentioned earlier about the dragons from Dragon's Den, I tend to use, if if they imagine that they have their own mastermind group of people, um, I suppose if I was doing it in the US, I would say something like, um, I don't know, Donald Trump or Richard Branson. Um, in the UK, some of the dragons, you wouldn't want to mess with them. Um, and so if they've got a team of dragons inside their mind, rather than if they have a thought or want to take some, then their mastermind group inside their mind is sort of saying, what are you doing, you idiot? You don't want that. This is stupid. It's a mugs game. And so that's the worst of a nag than, than their own internal voice because what happens with an addiction is, you know, on the one hand you want it, on the other hand you don't. And so, again, another little trick that helps them ride over the urges is to procrastinate. Because if you say to yourself, yeah, yeah, I'll have it later. Shut up, not now, later, later and you ride that urge, because they're called urges, because they're urgent, they're intense, they're called to action. But in the this grand scheme of things, with any addiction, those urges only last a few minutes. And when you add them up over you know, the, the course of a day, it's not a great deal of time. So when you explain to, to the person that really you've only got to manage those short periods of time, and if you can ride over that, the feeling of, well, yeah, I've overcome that, and the, 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 the urge has waned, then there's a feeling of, I can do this. 
And plus, um, many times with clients, when I include the mastermind group and I use a team of entrepreneurs in there, I have many clients that sort of find that their businesses or their they go for different jobs that are you know sort of higher levels, so that they set some better goals for themselves, or they realise actually the amount of money that they've spent on drugs over a, over the next year that could be the deposit on their, their car of their dreams or, or stuff. So I, I veer them into something better to look forward to than the old addiction, and and plus mm-hmm. I, I sometimes I can be a little bit cruel depending on the person is I can get them to imagine, you know, their own funeral of where they've just sort of, they've been the unlucky one that's had the cocaine that's been mixed with something pretty horrible and it's caused them to sort of have a heart attack and there's everybody looking down at the funeral crying and it's too late, you know. And um, So I'd, I'd, I'd do an exercise that's on um, on a few of my recordings. It's on the the cocaine abuse sort of download it's what I call a triangle exercise, and it's it's a way of taking a positive resource and putting it into the negative, another positive, putting it into the negative, another positive, even a negative into the addiction, so that you literally override. You've got this one powerful addiction, and you put five, six, seven powerful, positive, resourceful states, so that it literally blasts that addiction out and pretty much if I work with somebody with a, a cocaine addiction, I always say two to three sessions. On the second session, I just do the same thing because there's a saying that um, no man can step into the same river twice because the, the river has moved on and so has the man. And so they've had experience between first and second session of noticing, well, I didn't have any desires or I had desires, but I didn't act on them. Or sometimes people will take it because they'll want to prove to themselves, you know, for one last time, is it all that or not? Um, and then they'll be mad at themselves because they've took it. But then I use that because that anger towards, why did I do that? You know, I paid this money to see Debbie, why did I do that? Then I use that as a, a resource to help lock it in so that then we can push Let me ask you a question, Debbie. Yeah. Um, this is an OCD trait that I have, and... Uh, Quite uh, honestly, I have my uncle here right now, but um, when I do have an issue and, and I start to worry about a person, I call my uncle and he'll tell me something. And uh, he's always been helpful in the past, and uh, he's like uh, he's like a, a father that I never had. And uh, his words mean so much that it's like the problem is actually solved with me. And uh, he's an amazing person. Um, What do you attribute that to? Well, I think you just hit the nail on the head when you you said he was like the father I never had. You look up to him and it's... um, I remember when I was struggling with my shop and although I'm not particularly religious, I did start being, I think it was, got peck or something and there was phrases in there and I remember used to walk into the bank and I'd say to myself if God be with us who can be against us and it's that greater power and when you're a child you look up to your father or somebody who's a father figure or that's that's kind to you you it gives you almost permission to to offload your stuff because they'll take care of it and I think you've got that relationship with your uncle that just his soothing words 
the the history of him being there for you. It's just the ability to just share and his words of comfort allow you to whew, breathe and feel everything's okay. I mean, I, I do this quite often, or have more so in the past, when my dad died. Um, I felt like when I went into any situation that made me nervous, I'd feel like my dad was there saying, it's okay. And as soon as I sort of, that voice inside my head, I would breathe and think, it is okay. And I, I don't know whether it's a figment of my imagination or what, but it felt very comforting. And again, going back to when I talk about the mastermind group, if I've worked with somebody who's um, gone through grief, who, who's lost a child or something like that and can't get over it, then very gently in hypnosis, I often will create like a mastermind group and I'll do some transforming words of, you know, that little... Um, dot that come to visit is now, you know, if, if they were here now, what would they be saying to comfort you, to help you to move on with your life? So I kind right. of stack the suggestion, what would they be saying to comfort you now to move on with your life? So I'm directing them into a much more positive place. And because they are in that trance of, of grief, I've just directed them to, to look for a more positive um outcome to it and it's amazing when people come out of trance they'll say they felt like they had the the child that they lost come to them or the person that they lost was there with them um and sometimes when you do that there's something very very special seems to happen and um and it goes back to what i was saying earlier that you know we've got to be guided because we are in the top 10 percent richest human beings on this planet you know, we could have been born to, say, a Somalian mother and not got past our third month of life. So sometimes we, we have to stop and realize, that actually, what am I here to do? Or how am I here to grow to be the best that I can be? Because the more that you allow yourself to, to find your inner peace and your inner happiness, it gives you the freedom then to, to give to others. Because if you're inside your mind, worry, 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 worry all the time, then right. you haven't got the ability to think straight or to plan. And so, you know, as you've got your uncle, you're able to phone and have a chat, and immediately whew, that, that pressure is lifted <laughs> because of that relationship. Absolutely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, uh, we've got a few more minutes here, and we're going to uh, end the show. But um, you had to uh, – you did get some people uh, off cocaine – is that mm -hmm. accurate? Oh gosh, yeah. What? What? Um, yeah, on my, on my YouTube channel, um, I've got quite a few videos from clients as well. Because um, what's I, the I, website to that YouTube channel so the listeners could uh, go in on and uh, learn how they could maybe get off cocaine? Yeah, it's Debbie Williams NLP. If you go into YouTube and just do Debbie Williams NLP. Debbie Williams NLP, okay. Yeah, and I think there's play. There's a couple of playlists for cocaine and stuff. But what what I started doing because I thought the easiest way to show what I do is if I asked some of my clients would they be prepared to do a video. Well, most aren't because most want to come get their addiction sorted out and then get on with their life. Um, but what I did to get round that with a couple of people, I said. They said, oh, well, I wouldn't mind, but I don't want my face shown. I said, well, what if I video the bookcase 
so I can just have your leg there so they can see that, you know, there is a real person there. So, And that's really helped um, locally for, for people seeing that and clients coming to me because they relate to what these actual people say of how they felt and how it's changed their life and, and stuff like that. And In fact, I've got somebody coming on, on Friday and they're coming from about 200 miles away and the husband found up and he said, I downloaded um, your cocaine CD for my partner um, 12 months ago and it stopped her for six months. She was absolutely fine. It really did work. And, she said, and then what happened? She had a bonus at work um, and she, um, well, she just gone straight back on it. And so can we come and see you? And I said, yeah, absolutely, if you want to. I said, you know, but you, you can do it yourself. You just need to perhaps get back into listening to the CD regularly and give it time to start clicking in. But um, but sometimes people then, they do want to come and see you because it works for six months um, just from the CD alone. And, you know, it, it, the techniques are all there, but sometimes it's like top sports people. Uh, everybody needs a coach to, you know, whether it's a, a good friend that encourages you or whether it's like a sports person who has a team of coaches that picks you up and points you in the right direction. And so sometimes, you know, a lot of what I do, there's, there's a lot of it's actually there in the videos um, or on my, my downloads, but then sometimes people, it's almost like they need to, is it, you know, have a bit of pain and that bit of pain is paying money to then sort them out and it's sometimes that commitment then of right I'm I'm being kind to myself and it's quite funny really if I have a client that comes to me and they sometimes say well I've got no self-esteem and I say oh yes you have I said you have more self-esteem than I had years ago I said because you paid good money to come and see me I said that's an investment in yourself that's saying I'm worthy I'm worthy of this money that I'm investing in myself I said what self-esteem is it's a state you know if you've done something good or you remember a time that you were proud or that you did something that you were, you know, chuffed about or pleased about, your self-esteem is going to be high. But then if you start to think of all your doubts and fears, your self-esteem is, goes down low. It's, it's just a state that we get out of. And the way to build your self-esteem is to start noticing more of what you do right. And with a lot of clients, I get them to keep a happiness success journal so that they start to look for what is working. And... Um, I like people to write, say, in their diary, you know, maybe at the beginning of the week or ideally every day, I wonder what miracles are going to happen today. Because even if you're sceptical and you're thinking, oh, I don't believe in that miracle rubbish and stuff, you're still thinking about it. It's like if I said to you, don't think of the colour blue. It, it kind of goes in your head and you have to try and get it Absolutely. out. Absolutely. It's the same thing with the miracles, you know, try not to think of, I wonder what miracles will happen today. And it does focus your direction on to look for them and, and silly little things of you know you go to put some money um in um the parking meter i did that the other day and, and my money went through and i collected it out the bottom and there was a pound in there somebody'd their pound and i gained it and you know lots of silly little things happen but then some bigger ones happen as well because you're you're focusing on it and like when you get a new car all of a sudden you tend to see the same car everywhere whereas beforehand you hadn't it's, it's, you get what you focus on so if you keep saying well i wonder what miracles are going to happen today and you you write that in your diary every day for a month i guarantee at the end of the month 
if you keep a happiness journal and record what's working, that will become an addiction that has no side effects apart from even more good feelings. And that's when we need to have addictions because then it frees you from your own um, mental sort of negativity because you're pulling yourself into a new direction that then life does start getting better and better and better. Yes, can you share uh, one of the uh, stories that you're most uh, proud of out of any of the uh, uh, stories that you've uh, done with, whether it's uh, the cocaine or the uh, jealousy people or anything? Can you share, uh, without mentioning the person's name, uh, one of the victories? Um, yeah, I could I could actually share a couple that are on video. Oh, gosh, actually, I could share They, they keep coming to mind now. There's, loads. Um, there's, there's Rosie. She's... She's on a playlist. Um, she downloaded one of my free recordings, and it's kind of in an internal web page. But if you download the free Stop Worrying, you get six emails telling you how to stop worry over six weeks. Then you get offered another free one, um, and Rosie's on that page. She was given my recording um, when she had to fly over to America because her brother had been um, in a horrific car accident and she had to fight oh with the authorities in America because they thought he was brain dead and they wanted to switch off the life support because um, there, there was no hope. And that was after like three days. Well, she fought them for 55 days and she played my recording over and over and over. And basically, it was called spontaneous remission from any disease of mind and body. And it's planting seeds of miracles happening. And she said it helped her Anyway, after 55 days, he came out of the coma and he lived. And he'd lost his legs in the, um, the accident. And he didn't suffer from any phantom limb pain or anything like that. And so I'm very sort of, well, moved by that. Um, another one that I think was Craig, uh, post-traumatic stress. Um, there's, a video, there's two videos there, the one after his first session and then the one after his second session. I would have loved to have seen him for a couple more sessions because I think there's other stuff going on underneath. But he was able to sleep for the first time in, in 10 years because he'd been sent to Iraq more or less the day after he'd come out as a soldier. And his best wow. friend had died in his arms. And what had happened, he was having nightmares. He'd got a, a young child. He was living with his parents. And his parents would say to him, you know... Um, you had a nightmare last night, didn't you? He said, no, I didn't, no, I didn't. Because he kind of knew when he had nightmares, or so he thought. But he, if he said he hadn't had one, he was sure he hadn't. Well, then the one day they said, oh, you had a nightmare last night, didn't you? And he said, no, I didn't. He said, yes, you did. Have a look, we videoed you. Well, that shocked him because his brain then thought, oh, my God, I didn't know I was having those nightmares. What if I have one of those nightmares again that I don't know that I'm having? And then I wake up the next day and I realize I've killed my daughter or something like that. Well, if you can imagine that train of thought, that was what pushed him over the edge. And he came to see me and we did some work. And it was quite simple for me really to help calm things down almost immediately because the one movie that was playing over and over in his mind was when his best friend died in his arms. And I said, you know, as you look at it, is it, is it in a movie and is it big and colour and everything and he's kind of looking he's straight into it and he says yeah I said okay well press pause on that TV in your mind and let's drain the colour out of it let's make it black and white and he kind of looked and he stopped he, he breathed and he said oh my god that's dropped down 
50% or 70%. And, and that's what happens with post-traumatic stress. People play the same movie over and over and over. And what NLP can do is, like the TV in your mind, you can drain the color out of it, you can change it. And what I did, I, I became the Steven Spielberg in his imagination, and I put a load of suggestions that we watch the movie again in black and white, in small, as a as a viewer, sort of away from it, disassociated. And I put suggestions of, as he saw James dying, that actually seeing him floating up to heaven, and actually if James was here now, what would he be saying to help you to, to get on with your life and to know that, um, you know, he'll always be looking out for you and so what happened then with craig is that he said he felt like you know his mate said it's okay it's great up here but you're you're here to live life and get on and enjoy life and i will always look out for you so i kind of led him with those suggestions but it's a better trance or it's a better movie to play than the one he was playing and he said you know after that he on the video, it looks like he was. It looks like he'd smoked a joint because he was so relaxed. But he'd had ten years <laughs> <laughs> living on adrenaline, and so all of a sudden, all of that had drained out. And then I videoed him again the week later, um, and so you, you get to see him say that you know he'd slept for the first time, and and so it's, NLP is the only manual for your mind, and you can change those movies, and give your brain an option well what what if it had happened this way and once you give the brain two or three positive options it tends to look for those and think well yeah it could have happened that way and, and especially if we mess up the old movie or we change it um and and craig said afterwards you know he was listening to my cds over and over and his brain was just resetting and letting go of stuff letting go of stuff letting go of stuff and so you know that's another one i was proud of another can I can I share another one, or is my time up? Can I share Very another interesting. One? Mm -hmm. Yes, you can share one. But one more was a, a a chap who was sent by the NHS. He'd had a sixty-year needle phobia, and um, he'd had a few problems. He he was as a child. He was held down. And given lumbar punctures, which are supposed to be very painful, but as a child and also being held down, if you're held down and you've got tension, then that's going to make the pain off the scale. So all of his life, he, he'd not gone to dentist, he'd pulled his own teeth out, um, and they discovered that he'd got this aneurysm, and if it burst, which it could do at any point, then he needed to get to hospital, because if he didn't, within three minutes he'd be dead. So... The nurses at the hospital had, had researched and then they phoned me up and they said, look, you know, do you think you can help him? And so I worked with him and we got him sort of over his needle phobia and he was able to go and have his operation and obviously sort of wow. let them do That's what they need to do. amazing story. Mm -hmm. But I am running out of time, so I want to thank you. Just let me get uh, the, your website so we could get that out of the way. And I want to thank yep. you a million for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And the uh, website, sir? It's uh, uk, and it's D-E-B-B-I-E-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S.co.uk. And then my YouTube channel as well, which is Debbie Williams NLP. 
Um, and I'm always adding new videos and stuff. And yeah, sounds fun. We'll have you back. Thanks so much, Debbie. Thank you. Great talking to you. Okay, take it easy. Okay, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we will speak to you tomorrow with Joey Jackson. He'll join the uh, uh, join me here to talk about what's going on in the uh, world of news. Don't forget, June 23rd, the Michael Jackson tribute, Tom Mesero, Chris Tucker, and much, much more. Take care, everybody. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Mr. King Jordan. Shout out to my friend Jeff. Take care. <laughs>